Hello and welcome to Love Thy Lawyer, where we talk to real lawyers about their lives in and out of the practice of law, how they got to be lawyers, and what their experience has been. I'm Lewis Goodman, the host of the show, and yes, I'm a lawyer. Nobody's perfect. He founded a full-service boutique immigration law firm that helps individuals and businesses with relocation to Canada. He assists biotech, tech, and healthcare companies bring skilled workers into Canada. He is based in Toronto. He deals with family reunification issues, refugee claims, and humanitarian applications. Hart Kamaker, welcome to Love Thy Lawyer. Thank you, and thank you for having me on today. Well, it's a privilege to have you on. I was very interested in talking to you, in large part because of the work that you do in terms of immigration law in Canada. I have a practice that does criminal defense in Alameda County, California, and I have been amazed at the number of my clients who want to know what the consequences are as far as their ability to travel to Canada as a result of criminal consequences. So I thought that you would be a very interesting person to talk to. Can you tell us a little bit about where your office is located and what your practice involves right now? Okay, so my my office is located in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And you know, as far as the city is concerned, we're sort of not downtown, I guess we're midtown. And uh, our practice really covers all aspects of immigration. So we do what might be known as the litigation side. So, you know, asylum claims, refugee claims, appealing deportation order, helping people who have been refused entry into Canada, whose applications have been refused. And we also do the processing side, which would be, you know, helping skilled people coming to Canada. It may, may also be helping businesses bring workers to Canada. And it could also be helping individuals who have a past criminal record who need to you know, go through the process that needs to be gone through in order to be able to enter Canada. So it really co- it covers a very broad, it covers all aspects of, of immigration law. And also we do citizenship as well. I'm always very interested in where people grew up, where they went to school. So where are you from? Born and, born and bred in Toronto. So this is where I've lived my whole life and, and as has my family as well. Did you go to school there and to college there? So I went to school in, so I went to school, I did my undergrad in the University of Western Ontario. That's in a city called London, Ontario, which is about halfway between Toronto and Detroit, the the U.S. border between uh, Ontario and Michigan. And then I did my um, law school at the University of Toronto in Toronto. Well, I'm very familiar with the area because I went to the University of Rochester, which of course is right across Lake Ontario from the Toronto area. That's right. And it gets cold in Rochester and Toronto. It does. It gets it gets very cold. I don't, I don't think we have because we're not Toronto itself is not in the snow belt, so I'm not sure we get as much snow as Rochester does. But uh, it does get cold here in the winter, and, and it does snow. So, what was the experience like for you going to law school? You know, I think for me it was I, re- I really liked it and I excelled at it. The whole idea about case law and arguing and you know trying to come to a conclusion, you know, when an issue was presented to yourself was very interesting to me. So I I really enjoyed it. When did you start thinking about being a lawyer? 
So I would say it would be halfway through undergrad that, you know, I started to prepare the right the LSAT and apply to law school. So what did your friends and family think and say when you told them you wanted to be a lawyer? My family was happy. My father was a physician, so he was in a profession. And I think my parents were happy that I chose a profession as well. I think my friends is also because, you know, many of the people that I went to high school with and undergrad, not all, but a lot took sort of the same track, you know, going to professional school, whether that was medicine or dentistry or law. So we all took a similar track. We had that in common. I'm a little bit curious about this. In Canada, do you have a similar law setup to the one we have in the United States, or is it more like England with solicitors and barristers? Okay, so it's a good question. So in Canada, there it's it's a fused profession. So when you get called to the bar, you're both a barrister and solicitor. We it's it's not separate here. What do you really like about practicing law? I really well, I like the interaction with the people. I, I really like that, and I think also, you know, again, immigration's an area of the law where I think you get a good satisfaction in the work that you do. That a positive result often has a you know well not often most most of the time has a significant effect on on the individual's life so that's very satisfying when when you can get that done for them well speaking of getting work done for clients can we talk a little bit about what sort of considerations one should have if you're thinking about going to canada to live and the reason i ask that is it is Amazing how many people I know in the United States, especially recently, who have said, I want to go live in Canada. And there's a whole lot of reasons for that, and we need not get into it, but there is an enormous interest, and I'm sure you're aware of this, but there's an enormous interest of people in the United States, even people in places that are considered really, you know, quite good to live in, like Northern California, who want to go to Canada. So what considerations should people have about that? Well, I think they have to, I guess the prime consideration is, is do they have a pathway into Canada? And, you know, and it really, and the answer to that question would depend upon a lot of factors. So it may depend upon age, it may depend upon your education, and it certainly may depend upon your education plus the work that you do under under well the, the free trade agreement between Canada and the United States for some occupations, it's relatively, I would say relatively, using the word relatively, easier to get into Canada to work if you have an offer of employment here. And then that offer of employment can be used as a bridge ultimately to permanent residence. So I think there would be a whole host of factors that you would take a look at as to, as to whether that was viable. I think as well, you know, ultimately, you know, that that's, sort of the practical side, you know, can do I qualify, you know, to ultimately be accepted as a permanent resident in Canada. And I guess the, the other side is, is really about, you know, living in Canada. Obviously, as we've discussed earlier, it's a little colder than most places, not all places in the United States, but many. Certainly, if you're coming from California, it would be colder than in California. And I, I think as well, you know, just sort of the culture, I think, is different in Canada. I mean, Certainly, there's a lot of commonalities between the U.S. and Canada, but I think the culture, the way of life, you know, is is somewhat different. And you know, whether that's something that you can adapt to. Can you be specific about that? Well, 
well, I, th- I think we're a little, you know, I, I think we're a little more, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, we're a little bit more left than the United States. So I think our politics are a little more left. I mean, not like way out left, but I think more left of the United States. So, you know, for example, there is universal health care in Canada. That would be, I guess, one example. You know, and I think just generally more government programs, I guess, that are universally available across the provinces. So I think that would be one thing that that's a little bit different. Obviously, our gun laws are stricter than in the United States. So those would be a couple of the examples where I think you'd see differences here as compared to the U.S. I mean, certainly our, our large cities, but I think this isn't different in the U.S. I mean, our large cities in Toronto would be a prime example of it. There are, you know, very multicultural. So Toronto is a very cosmopolitan city, you know, with people from almost every corner of the world which makes it a very interesting place to live, in my view. And that's certainly been a big change, you know, since, I, you know, when I was, you know, younger, like not even in high school, I would say, you know, in grade school, you know, it wasn't a very multicultural place. And certainly as I progressed through high school and university, that changed a lot. But I think positively, I think it's a positive for, for, for the city and for the country. So obviously a lot of people are emigrating from Canada from all over the world. And what does Canada look for in in terms of allowing people in? So I think what, what, what they're looking for are people matching people to the labor needs in Canada. I mean, you know, labor needs over the last half year or so or you know, since the pandemic and certainly, well, I guess over the last half year has, you know, become an acute problem here as, as it is in the United States. But but they look for, for people that they need. So that's one thing. So the provinces have their own immigration programs, which are directed specifically towards the particular occupation or labor needs that are required in the province. I think more broadly, you know, you're, they're looking at people who, based upon their education, their ability in English and or French, their age, work experience, they're looking for, you know, people who they believe can integrate well into the community and ultimately contribute economically. In the United States, there seems to be an emphasis on allowing family members of people who are already here to come into the United States as immigrants. Is there that same consideration in Canada, or is Canada somewhat more Canadian needs driven? So, so no, there, there is a family reunification program. So. In Canada, you cannot, you know, if you marry a spouse who's a foreigner, you absolutely can sponsor them. There is a program to sponsor parents and grandparents. There is no reunification for siblings, which I think might be different in the United States. But there is, you know, as, as I mentioned just now, there definitely is a family reunification program that covers spouses, parents, and grandparents. And there are some other sort of limited cases. So, you know, a sibling that's orphaned who is a minor, that would also fall into her family reunification. And I guess the other would be if you're here and you have no person that you can sponsor, so no spouse, no mother, father, grandparent, then you can sponsor a relative um, to come join you here in Canada. So the answer to the question is yes, there is is family reunification in Canada as well. What's the deal with Americans with driving under the influence charges? And why is that such a a big thing as far as Canada is concerned? 
Okay, so it's it's a big thing because if you've got a driving under the influence charge, then you would be not admissible to Canada based upon that criminal record. And so, yes, you're quite correct. That's probably you know, one of the most common criminal charges that will keep people out of Canada. Even as and a tourist? Even as a tourist, yes. You are inadmissible to Canada. That's correct. And then there are ways to remedy that. Like what? After, after five years. Five years after the end of the sentence. So, that, you know, if you had a probationary period, it would be five, counting five years from the end of the probationary period. So it's something called criminal rehabilitation. You know, I, I like to describe it to clients sort of as like an immigration pardon. What about other sorts of minor criminal convictions? Let's say a misdemeanor domestic violence or a misdemeanor theft offense or a misdemeanor possession of marijuana offense? So, yes. So, again, all it really depends on basically what I tell what I will tell clients is pretty much you basically don't want to have a criminal record coming to Canada. Some some of these issues might be easier to solve than others, but but any kind of criminal record can be problematic. If an American does go and live and work in Canada, uh, does that require giving up American citizenship? If you're a permanent resident, obviously you, ma you maintain your U.S. citizenship because you're just a permanent resident of Canada, you're not a citizen. But if you chose to become a citizen of Canada at some point in the future, I mean, Canada does not require you to because the law stands now, allows you to hold more than one citizenship. So that means that you could vote in elections in Canada and in the United States? That's correct. And could you root for the Maple Leafs and the Rangers? I guess you could. <laughs> Seems a bit more problematic. Yeah, maybe a little bit more problematic. I guess you could. If someone were coming out of college and they were thinking about going into law, would you recommend that as a career move to a young person? Uh, that's a very good question. Yeah, I think you really have to like it. I don't, you know, I think it's something that you, you have to think long and hard about, about whether this is what you want to, you know, want to devote your working life to. I mean, you know, as, as you and I know, but like many people go to law school and don't ultimately end up practicing law. And, you know, there might be value in the education beyond practicing law. But I think, it, you know, it takes a lot of dedication and, and it can take a lot of hours um, to do it well. So I think you have to be prepared to make that commitment. I think if you are, then, as I said earlier, I think I think it can be, you know, a very rewarding profession you know, in helping people ultimately achieve their goals. How is actually practicing law met or differed from your expectations about it? You know, you have you, 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 you have your bad days, you know, like in any profession. But I think, you know, it's certainly met my expectations, I think, from, you know, being rewarding and like feeling like I'm doing something good, I guess, ultimately for people. And that I think is very satisfying. How about the business of practicing law? How's that gone for you? And how's that either met or different from your expectations about it? Yeah. So I think that that's probably been the more challenging part for me personally. I really do enjoy the practice of law and I enjoy advocating for people, whether that's on paper or whether that's vocally. 
you know, the business side is something probably that I don't think I'm as good at. And I think likely because it's not something that it's it's not something that I like as much as actually doing the practice of law. Is there anything that you know now that you really wished you had known before you started practicing law? So that's a good question. I think, you know, I, I think one, you know, part of it, I think, is really the absolute sort of dedication or the concentration, I think, that it takes to really get to, uh, to, to, to get to a good result in many cases. It can be a lot of hours at times, and that 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 is something that can be draining, I guess. But ultimately, as I said, I think if you take a look at the overall picture, very satisfactory. You know. Your legal system in Canada is obviously a little different than the one that we have here in the United States. But looking at your legal system, looking at the Canadian legal system, do you think it's fair? I think this is something that probably cuts across all anybody that does litigation. But if you're, you know, if you're looking at fairness, you know, a lot, you know, especially on asylum claims, a lot depends on the adjudicator that you appear in front of, and that that can be frustrating. I'm going to shift gears here a little bit, Hart. What is your family life like, and how has practicing law affected that? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a good question. My profession has affected my family life because of the hours that it takes at times. So, you know, I, I certainly have. I, I certainly work long hours, which I think, you know, it was difficult for my spouse, for my wife at times, and certainly when the kids were younger. So I think, you know, it's, it's definitely impacted in that way. But, but my wife has been you know, very supportive of me and my career and my profession. So I've been very fortunate in that way. It has been sort of my anchor, you know, when, when the seas get rough, which is which I'm very fortunate for. I mean, extremely fortunate. Uh, Have you had any interesting travel experience? So I have traveled, you know, for work purposes. So I've been, I've been to I've been to China, been to India several times, uh, been to Pakistan once many years ago. Where else? And I've been to some parts of Eastern Europe. So yeah, I've had some. You know, certainly India has has you know was an eye opener for me. And but I got used to it after a few trips there, and you know met a lot of interesting people along the way. So you know that's. You know, that's, you know, and, and certainly seeing a different culture and completely, uh, to a certain extent, completely different way of life. Also been in the Gulf area, like in um, Abu Dhabi in Dubai. So that's also also was interesting and, uh, you know, meeting people from all different walks of life. How about in Canada? Any places that an American should make a point of seeing? Well, well it's, you know, being born and bred in Toronto, I mean, I, I would certainly, I think Toronto's a great city and, a, you know, you know, lots to do here, lots of really interesting neighborhoods and places to wander around, so that means you should come in the summer. I think Montreal, and I think also Montreal is, is also a great city. It's much different than Toronto, more, I think a lot more European than Toronto, so it gives you a different experience. So I'm sure lots of people on the West Coast have been up to Vancouver, and if they're skiers, up to Whistler and other places like that. What sort of recreational pursuits do you enjoy to kind of clear your head when you're not practicing law? So I like to play tennis. <laughs> That's uh, we know, which unfortunately during the pandemic was curtailed somewhat, but I'm hoping to get back into it very shortly. So that that would be probably that, and you know, I do go to the gym and work 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 out try try to get there a couple of days a week so those would be the kinds of things and then we like you know my wife and I like walking so Toronto um 
has a lot of ravines that run through the city. So there are a lot of trails for these ravines, which we like to do you know, usually in the spring and in the fall when it's a little bit cooler, sometimes in the summer, but Toronto does get hot in the summer. So, you know, that the, the distance that you can go is, is a little, is a, a little less. So those are the kinds of things that I like to do, but I think ten- tennis, I really enjoy that. It's great exercise and, you know, just the, also, also the social aspect of it. Yeah. Margaret Atwood, once said, Toronto has two seasons, too hot and too cold. I think that's very accurate, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't want to argue with her. What sort of things keep you up at night? So I think files sometimes keep me up at night, like whether, you know, we've taken a right strategy on a file, especially, you know, ones that may, you know, know, I think certain files would keep you up at night. And I think certainly the running of the office, you know, you know, can keep you up at night. So, you know, making sure that everything's running smoothly, that the lights are going to stay, stay turned on, you know, people are going to be able to come into work. And those are the kinds of things that keep you up at night. I think, so if you're taking a look at the pandemic, when it you know, struck it in March of 2020, I mean, those things really became very bright and certainly kept me up at night you know, through those months when things were, and certainly in the early part when things were, at least in, in, in Toronto, were shut pretty tight. Let's say you came into some real money, three or four billion Canadian dollars. Yeah. What, if anything, would you do differently in your life? I probably, I would certainly still continue to practice law. It will be 30 years since I started to practice law. So I'm sort of on, I'm on the other, you know, the second half of my career. So I, I would say that if I had the opportunity, you know, to maybe slow down a little bit earlier than I plan, although that's certainly in the plans at some point in the future, you know, that that I would do that. But I I certainly wouldn't, you know, close up shop. I wouldn't do that because, you know, I like like doing this. I like the intellectual challenge. And I need need the intellectual challenge. And I'm kind of the person that, you know, when I've been away for two weeks, that's enough. I need need to get home. I need to get back. I need to get back to the office, you know, for that. You know, I can only relax so much maybe is the way to put it. But, but I think what I would do is is probably accelerate that plan and, you know, obviously, you know, three or four billion dollars give money to people who need it, more, you know, more, more, more than I do. Let's say you had a magic wand. There was one thing that you could change in the world, in the legal world or just the world in general. What what one thing would you want to change? So so maybe this, you know, the one thing, I, you know, if, if we're talking about the world today, I think the one thing that I would change is, is is I think that there has to be more civility in the world. And, and I think even in the practice, you know, like I, I think that's creeped in to a certain extent in the practice of law. I'm not sure what your experience has been, but definitely less civil. You know, we're not always going to agree, but we, we, we can agree to disagree. And I think I think that. So, but I, I would think more civility. I mean, I think that needs, you know, I, you know, that it would be nice if we sort of go back to the time when there was more civility and, in, in people's interpersonal discussions. People's interpersonal discussions. Do, do you think that's driven by social media? I think so. You know, in the United States right now, I don't think that it's any sort of a reach to say that our, I don't know, our social and political worlds are very polarized and we are really a very divided nation in a way that, you know, I certainly have never seen before in this country. Is is Canada going through something like that too, or is it more uh, unified about things? I would say it's more unified. I mean, I wouldn't say that that's 
not doesn't exist in Canada at all. I think it does to a to, to a much more limited extent. So I, I think Canadians, I think more unified. I, I think they they tend to be a little more. How shall I put it? there, a little bit more like a little bit more centrist. And I think that because of that, you don't see the kind you don't see the extent of the divisions that you might be seeing in the united states okay, is there anything you wanted to talk about that we have not discussed no i think that, that was uh, i think we've covered a broad range of topics and, and very interesting speaking to you Hart. if someone wants to get in touch with you if they have questions about canadian immigration issues What's the best way to do that? Do you have a website that you could give us that I can put in the show notes so that people can get in touch? Yeah, we do have a website, and that's the best way. That, you know, There's a general email as well as my own personal email under my profile on the website that you can contact me. And the website's uh, camincurlaw.com. And that's K-A-M-I-N-K-E-R, law, all one word, dot com? Exactly. Very well. Hart Kamiker, it has been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Love Thy Lawyer podcast. I have enjoyed our conversation. I've learned a few things. And it's been a pleasure speaking to you. When I thank you very much for having me on. That's it for today's episode of Love Thy Lawyer. If you enjoyed listening, please share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast. If you have comments or suggestions, send me an email. I promise I'll respond take a look at our website at lovethylawyer.com where you can find all of our episodes, transcripts, photographs, and information. Thanks as always to my guests who share their wisdom and to Joel Katz for music, Brian Matheson for technical support, and Tracy Harvey. I'm Lewis Goodman. Hang on just a second, Hart. I'm experiencing a little bit of technical error here for some reason. I'm not sure what's going on. Hold on a minute. Okay, well, now you know why we record this in two separate places. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's never happened before, but, you know, it's first time for everything.